The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 241 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me today for an exciting edition, a winter meetings edition of the podcast, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am well, Chad, but really, when is it not exciting when I'm on the podcast? Well, I'm hoping this one will be exciting, and that'll be the first time. Ha! Ha! Uh, let me begin by asking this question. I didn't tell you before we started that I was going to drop this on you, um, but I'm oh, sure... Oh, no! Oh, <laughs> that's my job. I'm, I'm sure that you're going to have a, a good answer for this. When is the last time we had this much fun in one week following the Cincinnati Reds? Uh, Think about that. I say 2013. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, and not the end of the 2013 either. No, because it ended poorly. But sometime mid-season 2013. Yeah, but they were playing well. It was the you know third out of four seasons. They were in the playoff hunt, um, and so it was fun. And this week the Reds didn't actually do a whole lot. But as you know, and we're going to run down what happened out here. They had the winter meetings out in Las Vegas this week. Yep. And uh, all the all the teams are there, and there's rumors flying, and there's trades and signings and everything. And for the first time, really for the first time that I can remember, the Reds were all over everything. Their name was everywhere. And it was just a, you know, not a lot actually happened, but it gave me a lot of hope. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun uh, watching the watching the hot stove. You know, it is. It's just so incredibly unusual during these things to see the Reds mentioned as much as they did. Like, or as much as they were. Like, you know, because obviously I follow, like, a lot of Reds people on Twitter. I'll see whatever is said about the Reds. But you never hear about them from, like, national writers and things. But, like, Ken Rosenthal is, like, blowing up my feed with Reds updates. Yeah, it's crazy. The Reds were everywhere. Yes. But let's begin before we, and we're going to go through all the rumors, all the uh, the fun stuff that happened all week long. We're going to go through every bit of it, but I want to start with one thing that actually happened, which is that the Reds made a trade. The Cincinnati Reds acquired uh, starting pitcher Tanner Roark from the Washington Nationals in exchange for reliever Tanner Rainey, in exchange of Tanners. In, indeed. I can only assume that uh, each team is unhappy with its um, cowhide tanning operation. 
oh. and have made a trade. It's like a challenge trade, right? Like oh. who can leather the best? <laughs> Do you want to start this podcast over? <laughs> that was that was brutal. <laughs> no, it's great. Tanner for Tanner. And uh, are you like me, Jason? I know the answer to that is generally no, but are you like me? I'm happy with the Tanner we ended up with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Go ahead. I saw Tanner Rainey a bunch in, in Louisville. Um, so, I mean, I know obviously he wasn't impressive in Cincinnati, but in Louisville it was kind of the same deal. But, you know, you can get away with more stuff in the minor leagues. Um he throws hard, sure, but he's oldish for a prospect, and 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 it's it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, you can throw hard, but what else? Um, so I'm I'm happy with this, and you know, Tanner Rourke is I think instantly the number two starter on the Reds, um, which if you want, I can tell an anecdote about about that. I, I love a good anecdote, Jason. Okay, so here's so um, I was talking with someone I know who is um, who lives in DC and uh, and we, we were texting about the Reds and she, and I said so what like Rourke is their uh, is their second starter now right and she said really he was like the fifth starter and, you know she, and it was like she was acknowledging that yeah he was but also like saying that he was the fifth starter for the Nationals which yeah t- tells you something it does say something uh but, but it is it is also kind of a thing where it's like it's like back when Mike Leake was the Reds' fifth starter. He was never a number five starter. Right. He was just the fifth best starter on a good staff. That's that's a that's a pretty good comp actually because I think Rainey is. You and I have talked that what we wanted to see the Reds do was maybe not the best case scenario, but a a, a reachable goal was to yeah. go out and get a top guy and then get sort of a middle of the road guy. And, and yep. Tanner Roark is exactly. I mean, he's named it in, in my mind when we were having those discussions, but he's exactly the type of guy I was hoping for for that second guy. Throws a bunch of innings. Uh, you know, he's uh, three war, three wins above replacement last year. Just two years ago, almost six wins above replacement. I mean, um, he's going to eat a lot of innings. And yeah. uh, and it's just, I mean, I, you know, Tanner Rainey has a live arm, and he may he may catch fire and be a great relief pitcher. I mean, it, that could happen. That's not inconceivable. But I think given the circumstances, the performance that he had in Cincinnati – and his future in Cincinnati, I think this was just a beautiful trade yeah. for the Reds. I really do. I, I agree. And, I mean, with Rainey, it's not like there's not even really room for him on the team right now. Yeah, um, I mean, you're, you're giving away a part that really wasn't a part that any of us were counting on, uh, you know, being yeah. sort of a, a guy. And Rourke is just, I mean, he is, you know, one, one of the things I've, I've taken to doing, and I've written about this on, on the site, is I, because starting pitching has just changed so much lately, is I just drop the innings requirement to say like a hundred innings or or depending on how you know even seventy or eighty depending on the kind of sample that I'm trying to get for starting pitchers and then I'm just like who's in the middle right like who's who's spots sixty one to ninety those are your number three starters right mm-hmm. in theory and he's right in the middle he's like yeah. number depending on how you slice it he's somewhere between seventy and eighty he's like he is the number three starter for baseball. Right, and if he's the number three starter for the Reds next year, we're in good shape. Yeah, you know, if they're two guys better than him, and I mean, he's the number two now. You know, one, right. you know, and but if they sign a legit number one or, or trade for on him, you know, we'll get to that later. But then all of a sudden, I think they have a pretty average starting rotation. Yeah, if you get a guy that's uh, above him, and then and then you know, something we hope is not a strategy, but you're sort of hoping if Castillo takes a big step forward, all of a sudden 
you're not that far away. You're not having to squint too hard to see a good Can rotation. Also, take a minute to acknowledge what a breath of fresh air on an average starting rotation would be. Oh right my now. gosh! Like, it's like we went from the best starting rotation we'd ever seen in Cincinnati with the, the you know the Cueto years to yeah. just this disaster, the worst we've ever seen. I mean, the last couple of years, there have legitimately been times where it could be like the, the starting pitcher could have given up like four or five runs, but it's the fifth inning and they're still in the game. And I'm like, all right, pretty good start tonight. <laughs> not bad, not bad. 100 well, RA, I mean, come on. Let me tell you what I'm most excited about, about Tanner. And nobody's excited about Tanner Roark. You don't get excited about Tanner Roark, really. It's, I'm excited about Tanner Roark, Dad. Don't tell me what to be excited about. Well, you know, he he's a number three guy. It's, that's not something that really engenders a ton of excitement, or it shouldn't. And it does for us. I know why. But here's why I'm just really intrigued by this acquisition. First of all, they didn't give away much for him. Again, like I said, no. Rainey could be, could be good. Appreciate his service to the uh, Cincinnati Reds, uh, and I hope he does well, whatever. I, I think, given what we know now, the Reds did not give up much for Tanner Rourke. Yeah. A- and what I like about it is that, and this is going to sound strange, I like that Rourke is uh, going to be a free agent after next year. And let me explain what I mean by that. Explain what you mean by that. I'm going to explain. We only have Rourke for this year. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season. Exactly. I have a question real quick. Okay, let's hear it. Um, can you um, explain to me what you mean by being excited that Tanner Rourke is going to be a free agent at the end of this year? Yes, I can I can explain that to you. Okay, please do. Okay. He's 32 years old, enters his third year of arbitration eligibility, going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 9 or $10 million, I think, uh, is what, what we're looking at this year. But what I like about it is what it says about where the Reds see themselves in this cycle, in this rebuilding cycle. They went out and got a guy that's just that's he may you know the Reds may sign him after this year they may be able to do that, but they're signing a guy that his value to the Reds will be to help the Cincinnati Reds in 2019. So number one, that says they are serious about improving for 2019, and and being competitive in 2019. So. Um, that's why, you know, the fact that they go out and it's not necessarily they got a guy that's going to be a free agent, but what it says about the way they view next year's team, to me, um, I, it's not exciting, but it signals, hey, all right. And then Dick Williams, Reds uh, president of base, baseball operations, said, we've been laying in the in, after the deal, his comment was, we've been, we've been laying in the weeds for a couple of years, focused on rebuilding, and now it's time to add to the team. We're in that mode now, and we fully expect to make more deals. This is the first of more to come. So, I guess if you're looking for reasons to get excited, which I, you and I constantly are, constantly. this is a, an excellent transaction, and it's and if it's the only acquisition the Reds make to the rotation the rest of the winter, well, then I'm going to change my tune. But, man, it's a great sort of first move on the chessboard. Does that make sense? No, it does, and I, I completely agree. You know, there there's been a lot of like a lot of talk, frankly, with the Reds in in trades or whatever, trying to acquire guys who will be free agents at the end of next year. And and it's like it's it's what you said. It's hey, let's do this. Like let's let's win now. And I mean, if they can, they, they got a long way to go, but I'm with them. Let's go for it. 
And we're, we are going to talk more about what happens after next year because there are some other guys that are look, targeting and trade that may only have one year. But what I also see is after next year, there's a pretty good crop of free agent starting pitchers that are going to be available. So if they can't re-sign Rourke, well, okay, bank that money and let's see what we can uh, can pull next year. It just it signals a team that is finally serious about being competitive on the major league level. And well, for, for you and I who watch this team religiously, man, that's a, that's good to see. You know what I just, like literally just this moment thought of like when you said said that I want to hear. I, I'm not sure that the Reds are this far ahead, but I, I wouldn't put it past them. You're right. Next year is a pretty good starting pitcher market. Like there are going to be some big names out there, right? Yeah. So if you're a mid-level starting pitcher and you're about to be a free agent, and the team you're currently with comes to you and gives you a you know a solid offer, not blow your doors off offer, but you're looking at what that market is going to be. Do you sign that deal? Maybe you go ahead and take the uh, security. And yeah, I mean, if you're the Reds, I can see kind of going after pitchers who are good candidates to try to, if they're doing well, to try to extend midseason because they don't want to mess with the market in the winter. Think about a guy that we're going to talk about later, Alex Wood, with the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I do want to save that for a moment because we're going to try to go uh, chronologically, but he's going to be going on the market at the same time as guys like uh, Madison Bumgarner, and there's a few others I there's, I'll remember him in a moment, but uh, yeah, he might be a guy that, Hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Yeah. I got a team here. That's definitely interested in me. And, and especially if the Reds manage to turn things around, like they are planning to, yeah, yeah. you know, if they're, if they put together, say like an 85 win season in 2019 and with still some prospects coming, I mean, if you're, if you're interested in winning and you get a decent offer, why wouldn't you stay with that team? Right. So yeah, I don't know if the Reds are doing that kind of next level thinking. 8D chess, but well, uh, they're not. You should hire me because I just did. <laughs> That's right, but I just I think there's nothing, nothing bad about this uh, transaction. If Roark does walk at the end of next year, next year, okay, whatever. We've probably gotten yeah. a pretty good season out of a, a you know, mid rotation guy, and uh, it, it certainly improves the team for 2019. And we're going to be watching every night in 2019. So I'm glad that they made an actual step to improve the team. So kudos to the the Reds, right? Yes, indeed. Kudos to the Reds. For and now. For now. Let's hope that's not the end of it. Okay, so that was uh, the, the the biggest news of the uh, winter meetings was the trade. Uh, but there was plenty of other news. Uh, let's go with a, sort of a more minor more minor uh, bit of news, which is the Reds picked up a guy named Robbie Scott from the Boston Red Sox on waivers. This is one of the first moves that was announced out at the uh, – Ken Rosenthal uh, reported it at the winter meetings. And – 29-year-old relief pitcher, you know, I don't know, whatever. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Robbie Scott? I have no thoughts yeah, on Scott. He had an ERA of 8.1 last year for, in nine appearances for the Red Sox. But in AAA, you know, he had a 1.86 ERA with 63 strikeouts, 21 walks, and allowed only one home run. So, I don't know, you know, he's a lefty reliever, and those things are, guys are sort of fungible. And, and you know, it's, it's a depth move, probably. Sure, yeah. yeah. Stash him at AAA and, uh, you know, or maybe makes the team, whatever. But he's, you got to have a bunch of guys yeah, to make it through a season. So that's kind of a nothing uh, deal. But I thought we should mention it because we are nothing if not completist here on the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. But now, uh, those are the actual transactions. And I want to get into what was fun about this week, which was all the, I mean, the hot, the, the rumors that were just 
just flying all over the place. I mean, the hot stove was as hot as I've ever seen it. And at one point I said on Twitter, you know, make all the trades or something like that because the Reds were being mentioned in every single tweet, it seemed like, coming from these reporters. So let's begin with Monday at the winter meetings, and it did not take long for uh, the Reds to get involved. Ken Rosenthal, as we've talked about, uh, who really to me is the best national national guy, and there's some good ones, but uh, he's with The Athletic now, but Ken Rosenthal's fantastic. Uh, he reported, his first report was the Reds are, and I want your comment on this, shopping Scooter Jeanette to uh, A, save the $10 million plus he's going to make an arbitration, B, make room for Nick Senzel, and C, add a player to the roster like uh, Josh Harrison, who can play infield and outfield. So uh, let me hear this quote. The Reds sources say would like to move Jeanette, but then he says the thing that I'm sure you're going to address. The problem is that uh, it's the free agent market's flooded with second baseman from DJ LeMahieu to Jed Lowry, Brian Dozier. Daniel Murphy, Ian Kinsler, Neil Walker. So anyway, it begins with reports that they're shopping Scooter Jeanette. So what, what do you think about that? This is going to get us in trouble. I love it. All right. I, 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 I'm feeling honest tonight. Good. They should shop him. Oh. Jason, Scooter. Scooter. And you want to know why? Tell me why. It's a very specific reason why he should be traded. Okay. Here we go. I want to hear it. So first off, we have to think about the lineup in 2019, which it seems clear from all of the noise that's been made is going to feature Nick Senzel. Okay. And he is, he's not going to, he, he's not a shortstop. He's a, he's a good player. He's not a shortstop. He's not moving Jose Peraza. He's not moving a Eugenio Suarez, right? Could be a gold glove second baseman though. Well, and he's not, and, and he could play the outfield maybe, or he could play second base. Okay. Now, it's a long train of thought, but it's a good one, I think. Stick with me. The Reds have been linked to a lot of outfielders. And, and what I think is interesting about all of this is that they've also been linked to a number of pitchers who are decidedly ground ball pitchers. Now, Joey Votto, Jose Peraza, and Eugenio Suarez are, they're not, none of them are Ozzie Smith at their position, relatively speaking. But they're all very solid defenders. None of them is a bad defender. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. None of them are below average, I would say. Right. They have ups and downs, but they're, you know, they're more or less average or maybe a touch, a tick above average defenders. Competent. Yeah. Scooter Jeanette is not. But he's Scooter. He is. But if you're linked to a bunch of outfielders and they seem to not be putting outfield defense first anymore because they seem to realize it doesn't, finally, that it doesn't matter as much in Great American Ballpark. You're linked to a bunch of outfielders. You're going to play your top prospect, who is very good defensively at the one place in the infield where you are incredibly weak defensively. Not only do I think that Scooter Jeanette should be traded, I think that he's got one foot out the door. But he's Scooter. He is. A, he, it's true. Did you know he's from Cincinnati? And his name is Scooter. Yep. And he hit four home runs in one game. I know. Oh, and he smiles a lot. And, and and the truth of the matter is, he has been a very good hitter for the Reds. He has been a very good hitter. Yes. I mean, I, I'm with you as much as I hate to agree with you on anything. You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially given the fact, what, uh, the defense, you're right. But I, just, I, I think the Reds are, and we talk about how the Reds, you know, they've got the money to spend. But I think about, man, save that $10 million, pay Nixon sell the Major League minimum or whatever he'll make. And spent, take that other $10 million that he would have paid Jeanette in arbitration and use that to allure a pitcher, you know, 
toss yeah. that toss that at Dallas Keuchel, you know. So and, and still, you're I think ultimately it's an upgrade at second base. Now he may not have Nick Senzel may not have the offensive numbers that Scooter Jennett had next year. I think there's a good chance he could, but yeah, um, he'll definitely be better defensively. I think overall you're likely to get uh, more value out of Senzel. Plus, you got Senzel for you know the next hundred years. We hope so. Uh, but Scooter was not traded, and I, the same reason why he's – I think they're going to have difficulty the same reason you and I have discussed for a long time now, which is that I'm not sure how much value a, a guy that can really only play second base and not play it very competently de- defensively. I'm not sure how much value that guy's got, but you would think somebody I would, would like to have a left-handed uh, power-hitting second baseman, wouldn't you? I, I, I'm wondering if there's, and I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. If there's anybody in the AL who's a potential good match for the Reds, who needs kind of a like frequent, frequently playing utility bat, like a DH kind of occasional second base, maybe a little few reps in the outfield kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a spot for him. He's he's got value, you would think. I mean, he he's, does. he's legitimately a good hitter. Yeah, um, and is likely to be uh, for the next couple of years. But I don't know. It was interesting to hear that they were shopping him. I guess I'll say that, although nothing came of it. Um, all right, so after that news came out uh, about the red shopping, uh, Scooter Jeanette. Also, what did you, any comment about Josh Harrison? Talk I like, about, I like it. Yeah, me too. I, I like multi-position players. Um, He's a I Cincinnati like, guy, so Tom Brenneman's head is going to explode. Yeah, but he, he ain't all around. Just here now, and Josh Harrison, who hails. <laughs> From Cincinnati, Ohio. Every time. So comes to bat for the Reds for the first time in his career. What a thrill that's got to be for this kid. <laughs> right. So I don't have any problem at all. The Reds uh, looking for a guy like that that can play all over the place and uh, and and do do it uh, fairly well. So um, right after that Rosenthal report, Trent Rosecrans, our, our friend who's uh, at the Athletic said the most tweeted out the most interesting thing I've noticed so far at the winter meetings this was on day 1 is just how many people expect the reds to have a busy couple of days I've heard they are talking to everyone and what we heard after that was that evidently they were talking to everyone right yeah jim bowden remember jim bowden i i do he used to wear leather pants he did used to wear leather pants he may still wear leather pants we don't know yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't have access to his dresser, thankfully. Hey, hey, Jason, do you wear leather pants? I do not. Really? I, I, I really don't. Oh. I like the corduroy. Oh, I love the leather pants. Yeah. No. Anyway, he yeah. uh, he reported. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just a humble teacher. <laughs> you should try leather pants. You'd be not so humble. Uh, Bowden. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> former Reds GM Jim Bowden was actually the first, I think, to. Uh, to report, and I don't think he's ever broken any news, but uh, that the, anyway. <laughs> the Royals, Kansas City Royals signed uh, Billy Hamilton. I just, yeah. had, I just had to mention Billy because uh, I wish him nothing but success yeah. in Kansas City. And uh, probably that's the least surprising news ever. I, if I had to pick a team that I thought would pursue Billy Hamilton, I think the yeah. Royals would probably be the one. And it, you know, and it's funny because it makes total sense because the, you know, the reports were that the Reds couldn't find a trade partner, right? Mm-hmm. And then Hamilton, but he signed pretty quick, and it's just like, you know, that every team was thinking, well, we could trade for him now, 
or we can wait till the Reds cut him, yeah, sign him for less than we'd have to pay him in arbitration, and not have to give up anything. Jason, I like Billy Hamilton. I do too. I, I Billy Hamilton's a delight. He has been my favorite player since he uh, came to Cincinnati, and I'm going to watch Kansas City Royals games this year because I, I you know, yes, we can talk about how productive he was and not productive enough with the bat, and that's why he's no longer here, but. Man, that guy's just always smiling and having fun and playing hard and making just highlight real plays, and I wish him nothing but the best. And so I had to sneak in a Billy Hamilton reference to this podcast. I'm always happy to talk about uh, Mr. Hamilton. You know he's a comic book superhero. I do. Somebody asked me on Twitter, uh, do the Reds have any comic book superheroes anymore? I think they asked me if Tanner Roark was now the uh, comic book superhero in the club, and I was like, mm, yeah, no. Okay, Ooh. so... Joey Votto exists. Well, he, yeah. I guess he's kind of a comic book superhero, but he's... Kind of? Kind of? He's not really a comic book superhero, I'm sorry. Do I keep you off your own podcast, Chad? <laughs> I accept your uh, your gentle reprimand. Um, John Heyman, who has his issues as a reporter as well, but he reported this one. You and I have been talking about Dallas Keuchel forever. Yeah. And his report was that the Braves, Reds, and the Phillies are the three prime teams on Dallas Keuchel. And so that's what you were talking about earlier. The Reds never would have been in that tweet. No, never. Before this year. Braves and Phillies, all right, sure. Reds, no. Mm-mm. So uh, I love it. I, that's the guy you and I have sort of targeted because of his ground ball tendencies. So what do you think about that? I love it. I think that he is, I mean, I think he's the perfect pitcher for them to sign. Uh, if they're going to sign a free agent this year, sign Keuchel. And I, I, you know, I did also want to say that unless I've, I've missed something and, and we'll get to this later, but there's only one player that the Reds have been remotely linked to for whom something has happened yet. And, and I find that encouraging. This, this you know, Jay so, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Jay Happ, there were at least some, I guess, rumblings. I, I don't even know if I saw a, a legit link to him in the, in the from any of the, of the primary writers, but there were some rumblings at least. But everybody else that the Reds have been linked to in any even casual way is still where they were. So yeah. it's not like, oh, the Reds are shuffling their feet and all of these guys are going elsewhere. It's just guys where things haven't happened yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're still out there. So uh, – Here's why I said it on Twitter, but I don't think I said it on the podcast. Here's why I don't think the Reds can get Dallas Keuchel. You want to hear this story? Yes. I think the Reds are in trouble because in 2015, the Cincinnati Reds uh, hosted the All-Star Game. You remember that, I'm sure. I Yes. And and that year, Dallas Keuchel started the All-Star Game in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, the, I guess it was probably the day of the game. I was fortunate enough to be able to make it up for the uh, Home Run Derby and all the festivities and, and, and the all-star game. And we went to the, the parade, the red carpet parade or whatever they called it before, uh, through downtown Cincinnati before, uh, it was the day of the game and all the players came by riding in the back of, uh, pick em up trucks, as we used to call them uh, when we were little in the back of pick em up trucks and wave into the fans. And, uh, Dallas Keuchel, the starting pitcher in that night's all-star game for the national league drives by or rides by in the back of a truck and some Yahoo standing next to me, I promise it wasn't me, some Yahoo next to me says, Dallas Kuchel? Who's that? And, <laughs> and Keichel slash Kuchel turns and gave him the stink eye, man. 
And so now I'm afraid that's going to keep him from coming to Cincinnati because some Yahoo at the parade called him Kuchel. Should so, I be worried about that? Um, everybody listening at home, if if the Reds don't sign Dallas Keuchel, it's Chad's fault. That's what you're. That's what you're. It wasn't about. me. I promise it wasn't me. I said it in my yeah, head, but no, I'm not. I'm not. That, I'm not that worried. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see. Yeah. You know, does he want to go to Atlanta or Philadelphia or Cincinnati? It sounds like. Um, well, the Braves and the Phillies were a little bit ahead of the Reds in terms of making the commitment to try to start winning. So you you worry about that, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I don't. He fits so well with this Reds team, and he'll. And if he comes to Cincinnati, he's going to be. You know, if he goes to Atlanta or Philadelphia, he's a guy. He's a good guy. He's a number two. Comes to Cincinnati, and he's going to be beloved. That's I, what I, I do think. Yeah, I agree, and I do think it's also the kind of thing where the Reds might have to do a little bit of an overpay. Yeah. You get him, but fine. Yeah, I, I don't know if you heard last week when I was talking with Bill Lack, and he sort of disagreed with me on that. But I, I'm like, okay, overpay. Let's at some point, if we're going to play on the same playing field as these other teams in free agency, if you target the guys that are good for Cincinnati, which I think Keuchel is with his ground ball uh, yeah. pitching, you may you're going. Everybody in free agency is overpaid uh, in a sense, other than last off season, I guess. But so I mean, the the, the prime guys are. So, yeah. Yeah. Overpay. I think what it really comes down to, I mean, if you think about it, every ball player that I've ever interacted with, they really all just want to win. And, like, they care to some extent about where they live and stuff like that, but really they, they want to win. So if you have teams that look like they're ready to win and they offer you something, and then a team that is, is still trying to establish that it can win offers you exactly the same, well, what are, where are you going to go? Yeah, you're probably going to go to the Braves. Yeah, they were in the playoffs. So you gotta you gotta blow them away a little bit, you, and and you gotta let them know we're serious. We want you, and we want to win. And once you establish a winning culture, then you can start signing guys for market value or whatever. But initially, you gotta make a splash, and and yeah, that's a good point. And I think they should do that with Kai Klein. Again, I'm not talking about getting him seventy million, but I think whatever the market bears, bump it up a little, Cincinnati, because this is the guy. Oh, know. I think it's gonna take more than seventy million to sign Dallas Kai. Well, I meant per year. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah. So anyway, that was Monday at the uh, winter uh, meetings, and we thought, "Whoa, the Reds are—they're everywhere." Goodness gracious, what is happening here? Yes, I just said, "Goodness gracious." Goodness gracious. What's going on? The Reds are in the mix of everything, and then Tuesday happened, and it was just even crazier. So it began with this one, which was not uh, to me anyway. John Morosi. Uh, he, I think he's with the MLB Network. Uh, I know he's with the MLB Network. John Morosi uh, said that according to one of his sources, the Reds were among teams who were showing interest in free agent starting pitcher Wade Miley. And, of course, you know, Miley uh, was with the Brewers this year. And so Cincinnati's yeah. current pitching coach, Derek Johnson, was the Brewers pitching coach uh, with Wade Miley. And so, and, and Miley did have a, a good season last year. But uh, Miley's a 32-year-old, unlike Tanner Roark, who I'm not particularly interested in. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the track record. Um, he did have a good year last year, but he also was hurt for a lot of last year. Mm -hmm. And the strikeouts kind of plummeted last year. And, yeah, he seems, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you if you can get him 
relatively inexpensively and you want to slot them in as like a fourth or fifth starter, okay. I, c- I can buy that, but uh, yeah. his ERA was good, but everything else, all other peripheral numbers were really worrisome uh, and uh, yeah. and the injury. So, yeah, again, it's kind of like we say with Matt Harvey. You're signing him to be a back-of-the-rotation guy? Okay. You're not paying too much for him? Okay. Yeah. But, you know, don't count him to be a 2.57 ERA guy, you know, number yeah. two guy in the rotation or something. So, yeah, I'm not, not that interested. But then Morosi. anywhere. I mean, that was – we heard about it in that stat. Yeah. Hey, you remember Tanner Roark? He plays for the Reds. He does play for the Reds. Yeah. He's a real-life starting pitcher. I thought I'd remind you of that fact because – it's, it's kind of rare that we have real starting pitchers. Um, so later on Tuesday, John Morosi, according to another source, maybe the same source, I don't know, tweeted this. Reds continue to pursue rotation options via trade, inclu- excuse me, including ongoing discussions with Indians about Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer. So the Reds have already acquired Tanner Roark, I guess. Or was that, uh, that might have been after this, actually. But the Reds were pursuing uh, rotation options, including Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer. Now, on a previous podcast, you and I did talk about Kluber and Bauer. We concluded that both are extremely interesting, and uh, I think we would like either one of them. We yes. also talked about Carlos Carrasco with the yeah. Indians. But uh, yes, please, on either of those, right? Yeah, uh, especially Kluber. Um even I mean, though, even though he, even though he's, you know, thirty-two, but man, that guy—he was a late bloomer. Yeah, and, boy, he's been one of the best pitchers in the league for like six years or so at this point. Yeah, no Five. reason to believe he's going to step back too far, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm. Listen, I if I'm the Reds, I tell Cleveland, I give them a list of the top five prospects in the system, and I say pick one, and then pick any other one or two that you want. Yeah. And that includes Nick Senzel. I would trade Nick Senzel for Corey Kluber. Oh, I would do. Because he comes with three years of control. Yeah. And that's saying something because you and I are as high on Senzel as anyone. And also three years of control for not that much money. Right. No, I, and it's a guy that I think you yeah. slot him in at the top. And it immediately changes things in Cincinnati. Yeah. Absolutely. I If, if you can get – yeah, you do it. No no question. Um, you know, Bauer's just 27. Yeah, you know, um, let's take, let me pull. I'll pull him up to see what his contract situation is. But um, Bauer is a, a guy that's let's see, you know, wins above replacement uh, almost six last year, three yeah. three the year before, six in the uh, Cy Young voting. Um, Twenty seven years old. Yeah, it looks like he's got. This is his last year of arbitration, I think. Um. Yeah. No, I think this is his first, no, his second year of arbitration. Looks like he's going to be a free agent after the 2021 season. So you'd have three years of him. Yeah. Now yeah. he's he's probably going to get more expensive. Uh, he made oh, six, think, six and mean, a half million, but. Kluber's got more of a record. Kluber's got, absolutely. Kluber's got more of a record. Um, and Kluber's just a guy that, you know, yeah. I, I guess just from watching him in the playoffs, I just yeah. love that guy. So. But, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, okay, bring it on. I mean, either one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think Bauer had, does have two years of team control. If Kluber has three, looks like. So I don't know. Either one of them are, are to me, fantastic. So, I, again, we've not made a trade here. But 
the Reds are they're talking to these teams about like the top shelf guys. And that's something we've not seen in a long, long time. So, um, the Reds were, according to Major League Baseball trade rumors, the Reds are one of many teams connected with Jay Happ, as we just talked about, but he did end up going to, a uh, 36 year old, ended up going to the Yankees. So, let's see, what else happened on Tuesday? Um, ah, here's one thing I thought was interesting Andrew McCutcheon signed with the. Philadelphia Phillies that year. Three years, $50 million. Now, I, I, I really like Andrew McCutcheon. I just do. I, uh, I think we've talked about him before, haven't we, that we both really just enjoyed him. Oh, absolutely. That's a guy that I've always wanted to see in a Cincinnati uniform. Uh, but he signed with Philadelphia. But what, to me, is interesting is that that signing sort of unleashed a flurry of speculation regarding uh, the Reds and who the Reds were going to pursue. In uh, for center field because they need a center fielder now, and they've clearly, as we see from the see from the uh, the news from the rest of the week, from the rumors, they're actively trying to seek another uh, outfielder, possibly a center fielder. And um, the guy I'm in, I want them to look into is AJ Pollock, although he has injury concerns. Uh, Arizona's center fielder, but then we had a source that said, and this is coming from Mark Sheldon of MLB.com, that the Reds have inquired with the Braves about trading for their center fielder, Ender Inciarte. And uh, uh, to me, that was fascinating because Inciarte is the guy that won the last three gold gloves and beat out Billy Hamilton yeah. unjustifiably. Three years of team control left, plus a team option after that. So really four years of team control left. Um, I don't know. He's a sort of a league average type hitter, but incredible defensively. So, I feel like you'd probably have to give up quite a bit for that, wouldn't you? I would imagine you'd have to, yes. Probably. I mean, Denzel, but something substantial to get NCRT with that much control and, and having him be as established as, she, as he is. This is a little bit of an academic exercise, but what do you think? First of all, I think he's expendable because I think they want to move Acuna over to center field is what I understand in Atlanta. Um but here's a here's a thought exercise for us. Would you give up Taylor Trammell, the Reds' number three prospect, for Ender Inciarte? No, I would. I don't think I quite would. And I go I go back and forth on Taylor Trammell a lot, but I just I've over the last few days, I guess his name has kind of showed up and things. I've I've seen some things from people that I kind of respect. Where they're like, no, 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 hang, hang on to Taylor Trammell. And then, and, and here's the thing, and I, I, I know I've belabored, belabored it on the podcast before, but I'm going to keep belaboring it. Taylor Trammell walks a lot. Mm-hmm. And the single best, and it's not a guarantee because prospects are prospects, but the stat that correlates best with someone turning into a good major league hitter in the minor leagues is actually their walk rate. It's the extent to which they are able to control the strike zone. And he controls the strike zone. And I just, I feel like he's going to be an all-star. Okay. And that's absolutely, completely, 100% reasonable. Yeah. I would say, 
they could have I would trade anybody except Senzel or Trammell. I don't know that I would give up Senzel for Enciarte. But Trammell, yes, I would. Absolutely. And, and here's why. Everything you say about Taylor Trammell is correct. Taylor Trammell has a chance to be an unbelievable player. Athletically, he's off the charts. You're right. His walk rate's good. And there are a bunch of quotes from him. You can see him on YouTube, and Fangrass had some interviews uh, where they quoted him. This kid is wise beyond his years in terms of his approach to the plate. And he really understands what he needs to do to improve his plate discipline and uh, just his approach overall. And I love Taylor Trammell. I'm not uh, you know, begging the rest to trade him. But if you can get four years of Ender Enciarte, who's an all-star level center fielder right now, how many, he's made one, at least one all-star team. Four years of him in his prime, and you're exchanging a guy who's never played above a ball. Yeah. You know, Trammell's a great prospect, but he's never played above a ball. And how many of those guys flame out? I don't think he's going to. I think he's a good bet for the reasons that you said. I think I do it for four years of Ender Enciarte. I really do. It's, it's painful, but I think I do. You're bringing me around, and it's it's one of those things where it's just – Ask, you know, you'll get a different answer depending on when you ask. You can look at it a bunch of different ways, right? And uh, it's and, and it's not it's not going to hurt to give up Trammell because I don't give up Trammell unless I get someone that really moves the needle for Cincinnati. And yeah, the thing, the other, the only other thing that I would say about it though, and this is just I'm I'm kind of thinking through this as we talk about it, is that Enciarte is 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 a fine hitter. He's right. He's 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 it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, but a lot of his value comes from defense, and defense tends to go early. Yeah. And in, Ender Enciarte as a gold glove center fielder, yeah. Ender Enciarte as a corner outfielder, nah. Not so much. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I'm looking at a guy that's uh, 27 right now. Yeah. You know, he's been worth... Uh, between three and four, or actually three and four wins above replacement his last three years in uh, Atlanta. But the year before that in Arizona as a 24-year-old, a five-win player. Yeah. Um, he's never been below a three-win player in his entire career, and he came up at age 23. You know what's crazy? And I, th- this is just, I can tell you're looking at different numbers than I am. Fangraphs doesn't like him nearly as much as Baseball Reference uh, Yeah, I'm, I am at Baseball Reference, it's true. Yeah, Fangraphs has him as... Peaking as a 3.2 win player in 2016, um, and he's, he's kind of been in, in the mid to upper twos. Otherwise, funny. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, one All Star game, three Gold Gloves. I, you know, I don't know. Just uh, he's roughly a league average hitter. Uh, he's he's not going to ki- uh, kill you with the bat. He's not going to necessarily help the team with the bat. Um, and he doesn't walk as much as you'd like. But he's not Billy Hamilton. He walks enough. Um, I don't know. I th- I think. For a guy that's going to be 28 next year, oh, gosh, that's a guy I'd love to plug in. He's Billy Hamilton plus a little bit of a bat. That's a pretty good player to me, but maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I love Billy Hamilton too much that, uh, I don't know. He was also born uh, about two weeks after the Reds last won the World Series. Sheesh. Hey, baby. Yeah. 
All right, so anyway. So, Ender Inciarte, but uh, what, do you, what do you think? I don't know that you and I have talked about A.J. Pollock. Maybe we did. I don't think we did. Well, briefly, we hit on I Too yeah, injury prone? He's, with an, he's an injury risk. Um, <coughs> really sorry. good, but yeah, an injury Sorry risk. for the repeated coughing, folks. I'm just getting over a cold. Um, but I think I, he's an injury risk. I'm, I don't know. I, you know, he. You don't have to give up prospects to get him. I mean, you know, there's there's that. So I I, I don't know. I, I would probably. I don't know. I don't know. I. Yeah. And, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what his market is now that McCutcheon signed. And I don't know who the, you know. Really, in terms of center fielder, there's not a whole lot out there. Of the, uh, free agency. Other than Pollock, and he's a legit. Def- I don't think McCutcheon's really necessarily a legit defensive center fielder anymore. He could probably handle it at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, um, Pollock can play it anywhere. I think. So I agree. Yeah. So I don't. I don't mind if the Reds use some of those free agent dollars for him. But yeah, you're you're dealing with a serious injury risk there. So okay, but the Reds are actively looking for another another outfielder now on Tuesday night. The things kind of got a little bit crazy. Ken Rosenthal reported that the Dodgers and Reds have talked multiple times, a bunch of different packages being discussed, some of the players that are in play, Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood, um, and uh, even the Dodgers want other other LA Dodgers outfitters, including who we've heard we heard later were uh, Matt Kemp, who I'm not much interested in. Um, the Dodgers are trying to clear money for other pursuits. And so the Reds are in the mix with, uh, for Puig and Wood. Any thoughts about those rumors? Uh, Interesting. I I really don't have any interest in Matt Kemp. No, not Uh, at this point, no. And I, you know, I kind of wonder when that came out, if that was one of those, that's what the Dodgers would theoretically like to have happen. Right. Yes. And I wonder if Wood and Puig is what the Reds would like to have happen. And I wonder if that ends up being why nothing gets done. Could be. I mean, you know, Matt Kemp's going to be 34. I mean, yeah, no thanks. Well, and he's immobile. I mean. Yeah, he's he's certainly not a center fielder. He's barely an outfielder at this point. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it, it, he's been an interesting story to watch his sort of renaissance or whatever. But, yeah, it's weird. And, I mean, really a lot of it just centered around the Reds offloading Homer Bailey's contract onto the Dodgers, and the thing about Bailey's contract is that a lot of the cost of it is the buyout for next year, which technically doesn't count against the luxury tax, so the Dodgers could then free up some money to spend on the thing I saw was basically they want to get into the Bryce Harper sweepstakes, um, and but they need to clear some space to do it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, if, if a deal, I think if a deal happens between the Reds and the Dodgers – we can rest assured that it will be weird. It's going to be really weird, and there's talk that maybe a third team, Cleveland maybe, getting the mix. Uh, you're right. Homer Bailey has been mentioned in those conversations and uh, with the Dodgers taking on a lot of his salary and uh, maybe the Reds sending some. Uh, what, I, what I read was mid-level prospects. Basically, yeah. uh, they'll be buying some prospects in exchange for taking Homer Bailey's contract off their hands, which is, you know, whatever. I don't know. The Reds just need to cut Bailey and it's a sunk cost but to me the interesting uh, Puig and Wood were the most interesting names and um, I'm a huge fan 
of Alex Wood, and and probably irrationally so, um, especially given that I think he's got how much, uh, maybe just one year remaining in arbitration. Yeah. Uh, and he's had sort of an up-and-down type career. But I'm telling you, I absolutely uh, think that's a guy that has real talent. He's good. I mean, he's just good. There's no question. His his issues really have been with staying on the field. Um, but even for the in terms of the sort of modern game or whatever, he's, he's pitching about as much as you would expect kind of a, a mid-rotation starter to pitch with better than mid-rotation starter results generally. So, And, uh, right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I like that guy. And, and Puig's the same way. There's only one year left on his contract. And most people are like, oh, why are we looking at these guys? They only got one year left. Well, again, it's a sort of the same thing we talked about with Roark. Um, if the Reds can get these guys at a reasonable cost and they upgrade the team for a year, maybe bring them back. I mean, you know, uh, Yasiel Puig is 27 years old. He'll be 28 next year. Alex Wood is... Love to see Yasiel Puig in a Reds uniform. Well, There's no other reason than there are some people that he would just drive insane. <laughs> That's a fact. But uh, it's just so fun. You know, the Reds would definitely have a comic book superhero then. Well, I've been beating the drum about Yasiel Puig since uh, I guess it was 2015, which was the year after his big breakout year where he made the All Star team, and. Uh, I guess his breakout year was really his rookie year when he finished second rookie of the year voting. But in 2015, he got demoted to the minor leagues at age 24. And yeah. we heard all this stuff about, you know, clubhouse this and, you know, not running out ground balls that. And I'm, I'm looking at a guy that's 24 that has put up two really good big league seasons. And uh, at that point, I was like, man, that's a great sort of buy low kind of guy for the Reds. Yeah. And I'm still extremely uh, intrigued by that guy. He's got all the talent in the world. He's probably never going to be a superstar. Well, he's definitely never going to be a superstar. But I think he's an above-average player that can really help the Reds. And I agree. I, I kind of like the fact that he's going to tweak a lot of the old men yelling at clouds. All of the people who used to get like irrationally angry about Adam Dunn will get irrationally angry about you know, Sal Puig and for entirely different reasons. Yeah. And so uh, maybe it's just for one year, but you get that guy. And same with Wood. He's 27 years old. Maybe it's just for one year, but you get him in. You know, maybe you can keep him around. Uh, but if not, you get above-average players for a year that helps the Reds compete in 2019 if you can get them for the right price. And that's, I guess that's really the question here. What's going to be the price? And there were so many different permutations of deals that were thrown around. And uh, one of the guys that was mentioned and uh, we'll talk about uh, maybe a little more in a second, but I want to go ahead and uh, mention uh, that Tucker Barnhart, his name was. Yeah, that was surprising when that started to come up, wasn't it? It really was, and I don't know why it was so surprising uh, the more I think about it, but let me go ahead and get into our first, uh, and I don't, we're, we're having fun with the winter meetings. I'm not sure how many viewer mail questions we can get to, but one viewer mail question that I really feel like I need to get to uh, is this one. Given all the teams sparring, and if you want to ask a viewer mail question, email me, Chad Dotson at redlegnation.com. Try to get on as many as we can. Don't know how many we'll get this to this week, but if you didn't get in this week, we'll try to get you in in future uh, episodes. Given all the teams sparring to acquire Marlins catcher J.T. Real Muto, stick a pin in that one because the Reds are in that uh, category too, would it make sense for the Reds to send Tucker Barnhart into the ring? And, and, and I received this email before Barnhart's name actually the person that sent this email is just uh, prescient. Um, 
Dollar for dollar and pound for pound, Tucker's one of the more valuable parts of the Reds team, but if catchers are this overvalued, trading Tucker, uh, and tongue-in-cheek here, a lot of this was tongue-in-cheek, this email, but perhaps as a one-two combination with bantamweight shed long, might be able to return a heavyweight like Noah Syndergaard. Well, okay. This could be the unexpected haymaker that propels the Reds into the playoffs. Otherwise, they might just might as well just throw in the towel. Signed, Paul Wilson's broken nose. I, I don't know what to make of any of that. Uh, well, I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I would never write a book with that guy. <laughs> never. But what about this? Tucker Barnhart as a possible trade option, and people kind of went a little bit nuts when that was suggested. Makes an awful lot of sense to me. I, yeah, here's... Here's what I think. I, I think, like a lot of us, it was kind of a, it wasn't on my radar. I, I, it, I just gotten comfortable with, with Tucker. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, he's the catcher. He's going to be the catcher for a while. But I do think, and you know, I saw this from some of the responses on on Twitter. I think that I think that Tucker among Reds fans has kind of become overrated. Um, he's a good player, ish. He's solid. But he's not a world beater. Yeah, he can be. He can be a starting catcher on a playoff caliber team, no question in my mind. In terms of wins above replacement, um, Baseball Reference has his career as five point two wins above replacement right now. Fangraphs has him at four point six, so they're pretty close. They vary substantially sometimes from year to year, but over the course of his career, they're pretty close. So that's. I mean, you know, we're looking at for a catcher, really, probably about not quite four seasons of playing time. So that's kind of a mediocre value you're providing. Yes, there's the defensive thing, but, you know, one of the things that I, I think probably doesn't get talked about enough because they're, they're controversial numbers, but he always rates pretty poorly in the pitch framing aspect, which if the pitch framing numbers are accurate, it's really bad to rate poorly on pitch framing because it means you're basically causing a lot of additional strain on the pitchers. So, I, you know, if I, I don't... I like Tucker, and I've grown into uh, into like appreciating what he does. But I I don't I don't know that I would be that sad if he got traded. I, you know I, and I, I do think that he might be a little bit overvalued right now, which I think maybe might make him a good trade chip. Yeah, I think the way you put it, I think I saw you on on Twitter saying he's gone pretty quickly from being completely underrated to being overrated by Reds fans, and yeah. uh, you know. <sighs> I think his proper valuation is he's sort of an average-ish catcher, which is there's value in an average catcher. Good defensively, you know, decent with the bat. He has some on-base skills. He's you know he's not going to kill you. I yeah. do not mind Tucker Barnett being the Reds catcher for the next three years. I just I don't mind it. But if the Reds can upgrade there, you know, I think the Reds should upgrade there if they can. Um, and so that's why I don't think he's a guy that I would say. I was surprised to see. His name mentioned, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, sure, why shouldn't why shouldn't his name be mentioned? And uh, and that leads right into what happened uh, the next day at the uh, winter meetings, which is uh, I guess Thursday. And the reports were sources indicate the Cincinnati Reds have jumped into the uh, J.T. Realmuto talks. He's the catcher for the uh, Miami Marlins. Um, and the Reds could be moving up into the candidates to acquire him. Sources indicate the names possibly in a potential deal 
would be highlighted by top prospect Taylor Trammell and a catcher, possibly Barnhart. So, um, wow. You know, JT Real Muto is, um, he's a good player. Um, he's, he's a really good player. <laughs> he's a really good player. He's, he'll be 28 next year. Um, sort of a durable catcher. Um, sort of the best catcher in baseball. I, I th- mean, I think he's right there. And, uh, so yeah, I start seeing this and I think, I, and we can talk about Tramiel plus Barnhart, whether you would do that, but, um, he's a huge upgrade at catcher and wow. The Reds again, a bunch of teams have been linked to, uh, to rail Muto. How are the Reds in the mix? Honestly, I think it's just it's because they have the prospects. Yeah, right. I mean, like a lot of these trade talks, if you're a team that's looking to get better now, and you've done and you've got some teams who are a year or two away, what do they want? They want prospects. Well, the Reds have those in spades. And and that's actually a quote that I saw from uh, Dick Williams, which was that we've not been. I hate to really put it this way, but we've not been laughed out of the room anywhere. Everywhere we've gone to talk, we have enough in terms of prospects where people are serious about talking to us. It's a big deal. I mean, it's a, it's, it's sort of maybe proof that they have uh, that the rebuild has uh, been successful in one way, which is uh, rebuilding the farm system. Well, so. and you know, you often see that happening with rebuild, where where some players graduate and become contributors on the major league team like, say, Winker has, like Senzel probably is going to, and others get traded to fill holes. But do you trade Tremel and Barnhart for him? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a tough one. I'll say this. I think Real Muto improves the team more than Enciarte does, but he only does it for two years instead of for four. Right. So it's it's tough. I both of those guys. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, I'm in a place right now. If I'm if I'm being totally frank, where there I, I have tiers where it comes to the prospects. There's Senzel Tramel are, are basically the the top tier, and then I've got Green and in India, and those. Four really are the ones where I'm like, I'm really going to be getting something to get rid of one of these guys. After that, my, my personal feeling, and this is just my personal feeling, is I almost don't care if I can get something of value. Like, if they wanted three guys from uh, outside those four for Real Muto, I'd do it. Yeah, Sinzel's the only one that really causes me a little bit of heartburn because he's ready to be a legitimate star player now he yeah. was re- he was ready before now the rest of them I'm like deal him no no let's not trade him for just anything but I, i've got no heartburn uh it, you know trading tramel and barnhart for real muto oh that's a it's it's tough to you know but the way i look at it is number one you have to give up something to get something you i mean that's just the way it is you have to and with uh with this guy real muto you only have him two seasons. That's a tough one. But on the other hand, he leads the big leagues in wins above replacement uh, for catchers over the last three years. I mean, he's a legit star player. 
Yeah. And I think there's, you know, you've got to give up something to get that. But And he he's also a star player at a position that is not deep. Yeah. So and, and you also have two seasons, if you like what you see, to talk him into sticking around. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I probably do it. But it hurts. That one hurts even more than the Enciarte one. I agree with you. Um, but guess what? The Reds are in the mix. They're, if we are having this conversation. <laughs> I can't believe it. Isn't that, isn't that great? I love it. We're talking about JT Rail Muto and not guys like Luis Alberto Bonilla. Wait, are you telling me you, you don't think that that would be? I think, they need to be, I think they need to be trying to get Bonilla back. That's what I think. Okay, now I feel like I know you again. So that's all right. There we go. So anyway, later the day, and this is really sort of the last. The Reds didn't make any more deals. They did select someone in the Rule Five draft that we'll try to briefly mention. Although I know nothing about this guy, but uh, sort of the final thing that was discussed and kind of a lot of a topic of discussion um, on Thursday, which is the day that we're recording this. Um, John Morosi again. The Reds remain active in trade discussions for Sonny Gray and Marcus Stroman. They believe there's a better chance of acquiring one of them than Corey Kluber. So again, still trying to get Kluber or Bauer or whatever, but they're also active in other areas. And I don't have any problem whatsoever with either Sonny Gray or Marcus Stroman being a Red next year. Um, a Gray I like because... His college pitching coach is now the pitching coach for the Reds, and he's still youngish and uh, has had some success, and I think he, he's a pretty good bet. Stroman is a guy that I just can't get out of my mind. Marcus Stroman, uh, 5'8", uh, right-hander for the Toronto Blue Jays, 27 right now. He'll be 28 next season. Did not have a good year last year, but I cannot get him out of my head in terms of a guy. Before last season, when I was talking about um, – I don't want to mention his name, uh, the guy that went to the stupid Brewers instead of the Reds and ended up winning MVP. And, oh, um, but Stroman's a guy last offseason, I thought, oh, that's a guy the Reds ought to look at. And yeah. uh, But now he wasn't good last year. We have to concede that. He, he wasn't good last year. He had some issue with blisters. Um his peripherals, even though, were, were were pretty okay. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't out of this world, but they were they weren't bad. They were he had pretty solid peripherals last year. Yeah, they were similar to the year before when he was you know thirteen and nine with a three point oh nine ERA. Yeah, and threw yeah. two hundred innings. Yeah, the two years before that he threw two hundred innings. Yeah, and and again last year the indications were really it was just, it was blisters, which that's a thing that you know it just seems to randomly crop up on pitchers and. It seems to me that a lot of pitchers tend to have an issue with it for like a year and then never again. Um, He's not the ace we're talking about. No, but no, no he's not. Prob- probably not. <laughs> probably not. Hope is not a strategy, Jason. Well, I'm. 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 Define ace, Chad. A number one starter, one of the top thirty starters in the big leagues. So how many wins above replacement do you think he is likely to produce next year? Next year? Okay. Um, I think he's likely to produce three. Well, 
the number 30 starter in Major League Baseball last year produced 3.1 wins above replacement. No, so he's on the edge. But yeah. now, how many wins above replacement did Stroman produce in his age 27 season? Uh, like 1.5. According to baseball reference, 0. 0.2. Yeah, yeah, Fangraphs has him at 1.5. Yeah. But baseball reference uses ERA pretty heavily in their calculation, yeah. and Fangraphs doesn't. And they had him at 5.7 at age yeah. 26, which is... Yikes, that's good. A 26-year-old pitcher with a almost six wins above replacement. So there is a not, un, you know, it's not impossible that he turns into a, certainly a number two. Right. It's a situation where where he could be a one or two. You feel like his floor, if he, assuming health, and with any pitcher, you're always rolling the dice where health is concerned. Um, but assuming he's healthy, which there's no reason not to, you assume that he's going to be a three at the least. Yeah. Probably a bit better than a three, honestly. And probably. He has, doesn't probably he have two years of uh, control left? And you know, but what what gets interesting to me is this: like, let's see, let's say they get a hold of of Stroman, right? Well, okay, so now you've got Rourke and you've got Stroman, and they still haven't signed a free agent. That that's the point I was going to make, which is that, yikes, they can trade for oh. that guy. And he's a possible sort of buy low candidate because he was he did struggle last year. Yeah. And then you sign Keichel, and that kind of gets me to the point that we were really sort of leading up to here was you had a revelation, I think tonight, about you know just based on the fact the Reds are in on a bunch of these guys. And you want to go ahead and tell us what you sort of envisioned as the Reds oh. of 2019. This was on Twitter, and, and so I'm just going to read it after I cough for a second. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, uh, and I'll just read it. It seems there's a theoretical world out there where the Reds end up with a lineup of Winker, Vado, Senzel, Suarez, Realmuto, Puig, Shebler, and Peraza, and a rotation of Keichel, Stroman, Rourke, Castillo, and Molly. I know that won't come near actually happening, but it would be fun. Can you imagine? I mean, how is that not a playoff team? Oh, my goodness. How is it not? I mean, geez, I mean, just just in the lineup, I mean, Votto, Suarez, and Real Muto are all at least potential MVP candidates. Senzel's a rookie of the year candidate. Everybody else in there is at least average or better at their position. And then the rotation is like, if your number five starter is Tyler Molly, it's maybe not quite what it was like when your number five starter was Mike Leake, but it's not that far off either. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... And, and even if you fall short of that, it still yeah. starts to look like a pretty interesting team. Yeah, it really... You know... One of the other points that I made a couple days ago, I've been on Twitter for the first time in ages lately, is that um, one of the things people have to remember when it comes to pitching, okay, is that, you know, with the position that the Reds are in right now, okay, they aren't replacing Luis Castillo's innings if they sign Dallas Keuchel or, like, Tanner Rourke isn't replacing, for instance... Luis Castillo's innings. Tanner Rourke is replacing Homer Bailey and Brandon Finnegan's innings. Yeah. Right? He's, that's, that's where, you know, 
that's a huge leap. It's like going from, I don't know, like Todd Benzinger to Joey Votto or something along those lines. You know, it's, it's an enormous leap to make that kind of a replacement. It's, it's the kind of leap where even though Tanner Rourke himself is probably isn't going to give the Reds six wins, the combination of him replacing the players that he's replacing could well make the team five or six wins better. Yeah, no question. And then if you bring in somebody like a Keichel, and then he's replacing you know another tier of guys, then you're adding maybe another four, five, six wins. And so then all of a sudden you're 10 or 12 wins better from adding two guys, and then you're, you're pushing up against 500 on a young team with somebody who's going to be the favorite for the rookie of the year in your lineup. Yeah, you're in the conversation. That's all I'm asking right now. <coughs> Get in that conversation. What, what if they just can trade uh, something for Stroman, and at this point they've not signed any free agents? What if they can somehow talk Keichel and, say, A.J. Pollock? Even without you know these other guys, yeah. all of a sudden that's an interesting team. That's a, that's a really interesting team, I mean, and it's not unreasonable. I don't think. Listen, I think I'm just going to say this now. If what you just said were to happen, I think that the Reds are a playoff contender. I think they're right in the mix, man. Because because I, I think you add Pollock and Senzel. Because we can't forget about Nick Senzel. Right? Also, yeah, you're adding him. You add a full season of Winker. Um, and you add Keichel and Corbin and not Corbin. <laughs> that was yeah, a, that right. was a fun moment there. <laughs> well, Stroman. You had Keichel and Stroman and Roar. Are you telling me that team is not twenty wins better? You got to think they are. You really have to think they are. I mean, again, it's you're talking. I mean, that's remaking almost half of the primary positions on the team well they've already gotten Rourke for nothing and yeah. we're talking about adding uh, two other number three or better guys yeah I mean that immediately changes this rotation then you're talking about Cast- uh, Castillo as your number four guy or you know number three guy maybe I don't know you would throw him in and there but potential that Luis Castillo still has yeah because let's be honest we could he could come into this season and be Johnny Cueto he could and then you're talking about Dis- Discofani or Molly as your Five guy. Yeah, those are your five, six guys, which you're going to need six. I yes. mean, let's be realistic. Bring it on. And that's, that's a pretty good. And again, all we're talking about is go get Stroman. And that may cost you a lot in terms of prospects. I don't know. Um, go get Keiko, which is going to cost you a lot in terms of dollars. Those are not unreasonable to think of because the Reds really haven't traded any prospects yet. And they haven't spent any dollars on free agents. They've spent, they're going to pay some to Rourke, what he's going to be owed this year. But they haven't uh, reached out of the free agent market. That's not. Neither of those are unreasonable. I could absolutely see those happening. And then if you yeah. go a little further, and either make a trade for Enciarte or sign AJ Pollock, all of a sudden, this t- it's we're really not that far away. And I am excited about the Cincinnati Reds more right now. You and I will be insufferable next spring. I guess is what I'm oh, trying God. to say, won't we? <laughs> we'll, we'll be keep wondering when we can get our World Series tickets. I mean, really. Oh, yeah. we've been too long without success. But uh, so far this off season, with the this, the the trade we've had, all the rumors we're hearing, the Reds are making real efforts, and the you know the the manager and the coaching staff. You got to say the Reds have really done everything you and I could have asked since the season ended, right? So far, yeah. so far, so far. 
Let's see. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy yet. They can't stop. Yeah, if it stops here, we we got problems. But uh, man, I, yeah, it's like I feel like I'm. Uh, I, I you know I, I bring up often that I'm a teacher, but I feel like it's like the first day I signed a project and and my class is working real hard and I'm pleased. Right. We're not at the finish line yet, but all right, good first day. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right, and I'm extremely encouraged by the way things are going, and um, it can't end here, but I can see a path towards the, where the Reds become a really interesting team, and uh, it's fun to have another optimistic podcast, right, Jason? Because we've been down a little bit. We have been down. There was some, I guess, uh, the last time we talked, we we had some, I guess, warmish feelings. Yeah, right. Uh, because of um, the the coaching staff and manager stuff and all of that, but it's uh, it's getting better now. It getting a little bit warmer, absolutely. One last thing I want to mention, just to be sort of a completionist here, uh, because we've gone way over time because it's just been an exciting week. But the Reds uh, picked a guy in the Rule Five draft from the Dodgers, a guy named, great name, Connor Joe. Connor Joe, a twenty six year old. Sort of utility guy, first base, third base. He's played a little bit of catcher, former first-round pick in 2014. Um, had some trouble with the bat early on, but last year, 299, 408, 527. Knows how to take a walk. Uh, 17 home runs uh, last year in uh, how many? Uh, 106 games. So, uh, you know, uh, these Rule 5 guys, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're a Rule 5 guy, you draft, he's got to be on the Major League roster all year. Or you, guess you have to offer him back to his former team, which is the Dodgers here. But Connor Joe looks like a good guy to be a 25th guy on the uh, on the bench, can play uh, three or four different positions, and um, can hit a little bit, can take a walk. Uh, I, you know, I think it's a guy worth taking a flyer on, so kudos to the Reds on that, from what little I know about Connor Joe. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of him at all, and you know, so I did what I think everybody probably did, which is just go look. And it, it looks like it might be a circumstance where he kind of figured it out late in the game because his last year was way better than every other year he's mm-hmm. had in the minors. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to watch, I guess. It's a guy worth taking a flyer on. You find out in the spring whether or not he can hang on. And if so, you, you know, he's just 26. So could be a good bench guy going forward. So I think it's, again, you know, I don't have any problem at all with the Reds doing that. So, uh, any final thoughts, Jason Linden, about what we've seen, uh, this week and uh, what we're going to see coming, going forward. I just hope that we keep seeing it. I just hope we keep seeing it. I agree. All right. So, you know, this has been uh, one of our longest episodes, but we just had too much to talk about of Red Leg Nation Radio. I want to apologize to Phil Razor, our friend on Twitter, because I didn't get to make fun of him here today. But I do apologize for making fun of him on the last podcast. Thanks for following on Twitter. You can follow me at Dotson C on Twitter. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. We're at Red Leg Radio on Twitter. Um, tell your friends. Um, also at Red Leg Nation on uh all your social media outlets, and redlegnation.com, where we've been following the Reds every single day since 2005. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, I, I did see we are absolutely on uh, Spotify now, so which is uh, which is kind of cool. Wherever you find podcasts, you're going to find Red Leg Nation Radio. Go find us, rate us, leave us a review. Um, give us a five-star review at iTunes if you can, because it does help people find us. As we always say, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. If you don't like us, Keep your mouth shut. Jason, this was a fun one, man. I hope we have a lot more of these fun ones uh, going forward. Me too. For Jason Linden and Marcus Stroman, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.